welcome to How to Win the Lottery Season 3 Internet Module, Matrix Module, Outer Space Module, Tugboat Module, Neuromancer by William Gibson. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Shreds doing uh, 1080s in the half pipe that is your ear hole. And welcome back to the show. Oh, may I say before we get started to our listeners, uh, Merry Christmas. We're coming up on it. This might be our Christmas episode. Unless things happen and we move things around again. The, uh, We're running out of episodes that we could rearrange the schedule for, though. The snow is falling. The uh, chestnuts are roasting on an open fire. That 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 lovable scamp Rudolph's little nose is lighting up the skies to make a clear pathway for old St. Nick. If this episode comes out when it's intended, as we're recording it, it will be between Christmas and New Year. So how is that New Year's resolution going? Have you run a mile? Happy New Year to our listeners as well, who I assume are doing better with their New Year's resolutions than I am. I haven't run that mile yet. Uh, I don't think I've run a mile all year. How are you? You're running miles pretty regularly? Yeah. What's your time? I don't really, like, I can run a 10-minute mile forever, basically. I can run... I can do, I think I can pretty consistently do like between eight and nine. You got to get it down to six. I, I don't think I will ever get it down no? to six. I think that's a lot. Did you ever get it down to, were you between six and seven when you were in high school? No. I ran a faster mile. We also might have had the same exact conversation when we talked about Hell new yeah. resolutions earlier this, is the way this year. It goes. This is the way it goes, baby. I ran my fastest mile ever uh, last year, I think, which is like 7.30. But I remember 7.30 like, is good. That's, that, that's that, I mean, that, 7.30, that's what I was running when I was in high school, something around that. I, I remember think. having a friend who was like, not like a close friend, but like a friend, like a friendly kid I was, you know, friendly with, whatever. And he was like, we were doing some like actual fun gym activity. He asked the teacher, he's like, hey, can I go run a mile? Uh-huh. And she's like. Yeah, okay. Uh, 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 what's the homework? And then he came back. He's like, yeah, I run a six-minute mile. I was just like... Oh, oh, so like, oh he timed himself? Yeah. No, I think I think he brought a friend who timed him or something. I don't know. They also might not have run a mile. Who knows? I'm realizing this now. But I also think that, like, oh, if you run a six-minute mile, it might be fun to run a mile. Like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah, might yeah, want to yeah. go do, like, just to see how fast you can like, run. Like, it. anything that you're good at, it's like you want to best your yeah. best yourself. Mm-hmm. That. But if, like, you're the type of person that runs an eight, nine-minute mile, it's like you're just trying to get through that mile without dying, yes. without the stabbing pains going through your sides. And then you feel bad for the kids who run, like, a 14, 15, 17-minute mile, just like, oh. 14, I can I can walk a mile faster than that. Yeah. Can yeah. I? Probably 15 minutes. I think if you, like, if you have a quick-ish stride, a 15-minute walking mile is kind of, like, the target. Like, I think Google, when you do Google Maps, like, a, they estimate, I think, like, a 20-minute mile for, like, if you're doing walking things. But, like, if you, like, push it, like, I think 15 is about, anyway, Neuromancer. Yeah. Uh, happy, new, new, happy New Year to to uh, everyone. You got new, uh, new Year's resolutions for next year? Uh, I'm going to uh, try, try, try. <laughs> Not a promise. Um, some of this is out of my control. I'm going to try to have... A healthier stomach. That's it. Oh. That's it. Not run a mile. Less stomach issues. Okay. Less stomach issues. Do you have a plan to tackle that? Or you just well, I, I have. I'm, I'm, I'm back on the panoprosal uh, to help me with the, the acidic stuff. Okay. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it's about sleep maintenance because that, that, that causes problems okay. for me. Um, and uh, stress. You have a plan. You have a plan, it's, 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 it's also about lowering stress incrementally so that I can make myself a healthier person all, okay all around that's fair so you have a plan you have a you have an attack plan yeah whether or not i'll go through with it i, I don't know i might keep uh, drinking soda and eating fast food and <laughs> getting diarrhea 
<laughs> you have two months to finalize this plan until this episode comes out, or more, depending on when this happens. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm 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 uh, killing time here because I have no idea what to say about this book. Bob, what is Neuromancer about? I don't know. So I think okay. Disclaimer, maybe not a disclaimer. If you love this book, you're like, I want to hear two people talk about my favorite book. Don't listen to this episode. I don't hate this book. I think I like it about as much as Snow Crash. I like it better than Snow Crash. I think if I read it again, I would like it more than Snow Crash. Uh-huh. Um, but this is not a genre that we're good at, that we enjoy really. Like, I think I like sci-fi. I don't like reading sci-fi because my dumb brain can't visualize the stuff. I get bogged down in the details and I lose track of everything. Well, I do. I, I think uh, so. So it's a very visual novel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, very, very descriptive language. And I think the novel's strengths sort of tend toward describing a uh, a kind of world and a fashion that are easy to picture, um, and I don't I don't have a problem picturing all of that stuff. And and uh, but like once it starts going into um, computer things right. and 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 all of the technological stuff, um, I'm less uh, my brain is less inclined in that direction. And he does a thing like whereas Neil Stevenson will tell you a thing and then describe what that thing is. William Gibson does not bother with that shit at all. He he'll just tell you a thing and then and then be like, figure it out, dork, and <laughs> like I'm moving on. Yeah, which I kind of like because I, I I see the the text on the page as its own aesthetic value. Uh, like even like there's the you know the prosody of of uh how we like internalize the reading of text the 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 music of the individual letters and and how like you get into a rhythm of speaking and even if it the way that it like some of this stuff is like a foreign language Mm -hmm. but like if you're going through it it sounds very nice in your head the same way that like reading a like very well-written technical manual can also be pleasing if you're a certain kind of person i think what frustrated me about this is that there are certain things that are not futuristic like there's the scene or the sequence or whatever you want to call it where he like burns a wasp nest uh-huh. and like that's in like modern day or i don't know but like it felt like oh i can picture this i can visualize this really well and like i i appreciate this really good writer it's just like you're saying he's using all these words like i know you read the we read we both read the wiki Did you just read the plot summary or did you read the whole wiki just the plot summary okay so, oh, there was one. One of the I actually like. I did see something on the wiki that I'll, that that, that, I, that I want to talk about that wasn't plot summary. What's that? It's that uh, two thirds of the way through his writing this novel, the movie Blade Runner came yes. out, and he was just like, "Fuck! What, what am I gonna do? Really My life is over." We're not talking to William Gibson, but we were talking about like what we would have talked to, and I, I do think that like. Because I think, okay, so this book comes out in 84, Blade Runner's in 82, mm-hmm. Snow Crash is in 92. So there's a long time between this and Snow Crash. But like Snow Crash, yeah. this is very influential in the, in shaping the way that people thought about things and talked about things. So this is very early, if not the first or the first main cyberpunk thing. I think it's the first use of the word cyberspace. So he coined cyberspace in an earlier thing, okay. in a novelette called Burning Chrome, which came out in 82. Which is still part of the sprawl thing, right? Yes, so, that's, so that that's within this universe. But he used or popular this this popularized terms like cyberspace and ice, not the ice like the immigration, but the intrusion, countermeasures, electronics. That's not something that I'm familiar with. That's not like part neither, of my neither pop am culture. I. But they also said that they think that people have credited this with the way that the internet, specifically the World Wide Web, developed. That they're mm-hmm. like this. He he 
tapped into a thing that like makes it under easy to understand or that we can see this is how it builds out or whatever. And I think that's fascinating. Um, obviously also my, one of my favorite movies, a movie you had not seen and you also like to hate on the matrix pulls a lot from this, but he also, like, I've, seen, think, I've seen the matrix. Oh, you just don't like it. Yeah. I, I well, I saw it, uh, like, uh, a year ago or something like oh. that. Um, and this is news to me. It, yeah. Uh, no, I watched it and, uh, I get. I, I feel you know. I feel as though had I seen it in 1999, I might be singing a different tune about it because it's like whatever. Anyway, but he said about the Matrix that quote: "This was exactly the kind of creative cultural osmosis he'd relied upon in his own writing." He's like, "I took things from other things and I made my thing. They're taking things from mine." Like he loves. It seems like he loves. Well, this. I'll say. I'll say. I think. Um. Uh. In in I can see his work being very clearly influenced by John Brunner. And by uh, who's John Brenner? What would I know? He's like a forerunner of science fiction. Okay. Um, and is he, and did he write anything famous or not really? Uh, gosh. Um, I can't Google it. What is the? I think it's called True Names. Is is what he is no, what he wrote? And okay. then Werner Vinge is the other guy. That I know that name from you, but I don't. So I don't so, know so these okay. are two like uh, pro like sci-fi cyberpunkish guys. That sort of I think like their work sort of leans into the like techno libertarian uh, sure. uh, era of, um, but it, these are like, uh, I think like sixties and seventies guys. I so, so I can see him borrowing from them. I don't read a lot of sci-fi today, but one person that I do read when he has a new book out that, you know, we talked about, but I don't know if you've read, have you read Blake Crouch stuff or no? No. Cause he does, he did the wayward pines thing, which I've not read, but I saw the show, but he did uh-huh. other books that I really, really like. And I think what's interesting, like I can't imagine like you again saying you watching the matrix in 99, I can't imagine what it'd be like to read this then, because like this is so like this feels in a way like modern still today. Mm-hmm. But like the way that Blake Crouch is doing stuff, he's just talking about like gene splicing and stuff like that. Like he takes like, a very specific thing. I know it's just like one example of a thing, but it's not like he's like really pushing the ball downfield in terms of like establishing things are going to like change the way people think about stuff. Yeah, maybe. But like this just feels like hey, there's a whole like wild west out there. I'm going to do a thing. And Blake Crouch is like, let's hone in on this one very, very specific idea and what would happen if it broke bad or something, which is, I think, yeah. is fascinating. This is, just feels like, holy shit, like, I can't believe. Well, also you referring to it as the Wild West is interesting because he's like a quote-unquote console cowboy, right? Yeah. And, and like, the idea behind that is that he is, like, in some ways, like, pioneering, like, through uh, – uh, like in the same way that like you know the the West was was pioneered, um, he, he's like you know pressing up against boundaries that people haven't been through yet. But in like as far as cyberspace is concerned, you talking about Case, the yeah, main yeah, character, yeah. Case, yeah. So I think what this is about on a really macro level is also kind of like the Philip K. Dick thing and like the Turing test and like there's like the Turing police. It's a lot of different things that like I don't know what came before. I would assume most of it came before, and he's like. But stuff that became like Minority Report and stuff like that, and oh like, yeah, most of Philip K. Dick stuff I think does comes before this. And yeah, Isaac sure. Asimov's like Three Rules of Robotics. It, fe- it sure. just feels like this is things where it's like there, there's we're we're bordering. I think this is what the novel is about. It just takes a while to sort of get there, but we're bordering on AI becoming sentient, becoming super consciousness, mm-hmm. and there's police that's been established, like the Turing police, like the Alan Turing, the Turing test. Um, Explain what explain what the Turing test is. I know what it is because I'm a super genius. But you're looking at me like I don't know. Should I explain it so that so that people know that I I know? know? This is a very never not funny thing where just like Jimmy will be like, 
of course I know what the Turing test uh, is, yeah. but for Matt over there, can you please explain what the Turing test is? So I don't know if you're doing that. I or... do. Okay. So my boss likes to say that the Turing test is not for a machine to pass, but it's for people to fail. Mm-hmm. The Turing test is basically if if you're talking and to And your someone... boss is Elon Musk, right? Yes. Okay. Love him. Keep Love going. that man. Keep going. I my house, as you can see, the walls are lined with this hundred dollar burnt hair cologne. Um the Turing test is a test that AI is basically written to try to pass where it would seemingly convince someone that they are talking to a person when in fact they're talking to AI. And there's been, in the last year, I think this is what's fascinating to me, and I think that this is also why conceptually I like this novel more. I don't like the actual reading of it because I just don't like reading sci-fi. But I think reading about tech so often that like people from Google, one or two people I think were fired because they're like, we created, like, our AI is already sentient. And Google's like, no, it's not. You're fired. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are fears out there that, like, at a certain point, once AI can, like, think for itself, like, we're all fucked. Yeah, yeah. And so it's... the Turing test is, like, trying to convince people that, like, oh, like, I thought, like, it's like chatbots, but, like, good. And so they just use a Turing police. But that was Alan Turing's, like, the Turing test. And this is probably, like, not a great explanation, but it's, like... It's a if if an AI passes the Turing test, we're in trouble. Alan Turing being one of the World War II code breakers that invented what we think of now as a computer. That's the imitation game, right? That's the Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And then he was chemically castrated by the government for being gay. Super sweet. Yeah. Love that. Love that for him. <laughs> um, but like, so so in this world, the AI is bordering on super consciousness, and there are people that are trying to advance that for their own probably self-interests and to you know power or whatever so the turing police are basically hey we need to shut this shit down and there is this really wealthy family the the tessier ashpools or something like that Mm -hmm. who have basically created two halves that when they merge if they merge will create a super consciousness one of whom is neuromancer who's represented by a little boy yep and the other of whom is wintermute wintermute which is a pretty badass name for like a yeah, and it's 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 like all filtered through um, not only science fiction, but like what what we often have in these books is uh, like a Raymond Chandler esque noir. Yeah, right. This this. Uh, so I think you saying that very early in my reading, like it helps, right? This. Yeah, 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 for sure. yeah. Because it's like you you look at it. You if you strip away all of the science fiction stuff, like don't don't worry about reading about how like. There are these fancy special guns that like turn into laser whips or whatever. Like, forget that stuff. Just think it's like what you have is a drunk detective who's give, being given a second chance. And like he thinks he's doing one thing and surprisingly, and it's like he's doing basically the opposite uh-huh. of that thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you think you've been hired for, for good reasons, but you've actually been hired by a evil corporation mm-hmm. to undermine, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like it's very much like within multiple traditions and if you're familiar with both of those traditions it'll help unlock the book for you um if you're really smart i am familiar with both of these traditions and it did not really unlock the book for me i i I still like had a tough time making heads or tails of what the actual what was actually happening on a page-to-page basis yeah because there's like there's what and i i think you alluded to this earlier but like with snow crash neil stevenson was like Here's four different words that you've never heard before, uh-huh. but here's how they're used in a sentence, and here's what they mean, and here's how they interact. And neuro and neuromancers just like, 
yeah, the flim flam with the jib jab, like fuck you. It's just like I don't understand any. Of Which it. is what I prefer. I prefer I prefer an author to trust yes. their audience and to and to go in there. And it also probably if if William Gibson was doing that, this book would be two hundred pages more than it currently is. Yeah, he also he took this from a lot of what, it, what I wrote. I copied it from the wiki. Um, dope dealer slang in the 1960s in Toronto and mm-hmm. biker talk. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, I think we've, again, a book about language. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where different groups of people have specific ways of communicating, and he just kind of cribs that and, like, mashes it all together in a way that, like, everybody has this kind of, not everybody, but everybody we run into who are people running in a very specific, high-tech kind of crowd. Yeah, um, I love that. I, I, I love that he's doing that. I love that it's, like, a little bit opaque because um, the world is op- op- opaque to us. I don't understand. What's your take on – I don't remember if we talked about this during Snow Crash, but what is your take on these guys' obsession with Japan? I don't know. And, again, I think I think it's – we did talk about this in Snow Crash, and I don't know if people – I'll use the word – weebs – I think, that's, I think that's the right word. The people who like love Japan and Japanese culture, if it's if they've always loved that, or if it's because they love things like this who fetishize Japanese culture, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, mm-hmm. my favorite book loves it. I, I still don't know the answer to that question. I don't. I also don't know, um, other than cribbing some very specific things, I don't actually know what about this book is Japanese at all, other than it saying like ninja, shuriken, uh, yakuza, yakuza, China virus. Uh, here's the. Uh, yeah, that's another thing is at some point, probably about uh, maybe two thirds of the way through, they start talking about the Chinese virus. <laughs> and like, of course, we are now uh, 152 years in, into COVID. But like the indelible impression of Donald Trump just mm-hmm. saying the Chinese virus over and over again yeah. is like in in all of our heads. And so I can every time I was reading it, I was hearing it in his voice and it was just like. I feel like my brain is rotting. Because what's weird, so you say it doesn't feel, I I don't think it feels Asian at all. I think think people set stuff in Japan because, I've never been to Tokyo, but from what I've heard, from what I've seen in both movies and just pictures and stuff, like they're so far advanced. Like it just, it feels like a future. High fluorescent, minimalist, flat surfaces, uh, sort of like uh, a, a hyper- technical vegas with like lots of uh lights and also pretty crowded and and uh room to blah 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 but it's so much it's so much closer to being los angeles noir than it is to anything other than that well i think so i think living in america we have a very sort of skewed perception of like what futuristic is because i think i remember like the first time i was like I've been, I went, I, I, I had been in like London before, like London's old as shit. Like there's nothing modern about <laughs> London. But then I remember when we went over to uh, the Netherlands for work and they had like a modern like highway system. I'm like, oh, like it doesn't have to be all broken like it is in America. Like you actually, they can fix it. Like there's ways that oh, you can right. like, yeah, yeah, that yeah. like they just know how to do things better. Like that felt modern in a way that like being here where like every highway in New Jersey is always under construction and it all just sucks and it's overcrowded. Well, I think they're very often less uh, involved in the eternal conflict of like paying for infrastructure because they're just like the citizens accept that we have to do this they're not always going to fight us on every fucking thing about this and like literally vote us out of office because we want to fix bridges Mm -hmm. but I've not been to I feel like going to Japan or especially like maybe in the I don't know like 
it just feels like, oh, this is like a new world. And like, I want to set things here because it feels like this is like when the thing happens, it will be here because everything seems like it will be here first. And also that's where um, maybe also this probably has something to do with it. Uh, like there are a lot of like corporations that are like building computers sure. and stuff there. So a lot of their like just stuff, the stuff that they're into is coming is actually coming from Japan. Right. And I also think, I think that they both are cool depending on your perspective, but I just think that like going back to like Kurosawa films, like samurai swords are fucking cool. Yeah. And like, like Western, like gun, like gunslingers can be cool too, but it feels like maybe as an American or Canadian or, you know, Canadian Westerner yeah. writing this, you, you grow up like watching a million Westerns. Like I'm tired of like six shooters. Like well, I want to see samurai. Do you, swords. do you, uh, uh, you were not like, you were basically not conscious in the 80s, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. So, like, the 80s and, and some of the 90s, but, like, ninjas were the fucking coolest thing in the world. For, they still for, kind for, of like, are. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if, like, are little boys into ninjas anymore? Like, they, we had, like, the American ninja movies. They're more into and, Ninja, the Twitch streamer. Uh, Do you know Ninja? No, I don't know about that stuff. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me let me say something that maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Phase Clan? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I think that's got something to do with Twitch streaming. Sure. Um, or Ninja from... Uh, uh, the Antwoord? Yeah. Chappie? Uh-huh. Chappie. Wait, that's a cyberpunk movie. We should watch Chappie in conjunction with this. Yeah. I, I kind of have a soft spot for Chappie. I think that movie's... Chappie's cool. I think that movie's way better than people gave it credit. It's way better than Elysium. That movie sucked. Yeah. Well, Elysium is one of those where it's just like... Oh, I get it. Like it's just the rich people are up there and we're down here. Yeah. Like there's no metaphor. It's just like they're literally they think they're better uh, than us. Yeah. Whereas like you watch like Alita Battle Angel, which is the same thing. It's like, but this is cool. Like I understand yeah, this. Yeah. And Chat and Chappie's cool because they, frankly, it's because the word are fucking so weird. That, yeah. That's just like this is like it's fascinating to like have a cyber intelligence like learning how to be human from people like that. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, another thing that's interesting about about this book is, like, if you look at the original cover of it, do you know what the original cover looks like? It's probably on the can, Wikipedia. Can I Google it? Go ahead and Google it. We'll break the rules for this. But it's, like, that grid... Um, oh, yeah, I've seen this. You, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, like, the, the, the grid thing that, like, now is recycled in a lot of things that are on... Um, Instagram and stuff like that, which are like chill wave aesthetics mm -hmm, and things mm -hmm, like that, where, mm -hmm. it's, where it's just like, you know, very digital representations of sunsets and like uh, um, sort of like early video games representations of like indoors where it's like all like green lines creating a cube that you can stand in. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something about that that has like at one point it was cutting edge and then it like rotated out to where it looked really cheesy to where like, I think if you look at something like Tron now, it kind of looks pretty cheesy. Um, but then it like looped back around to being retro in a way that is really cool. Yeah. The same way that like now, and I think, I think that the, the TV show uh, halt and catch fire capitalized on this a lot. Like it looped around to where like now the aesthetic of like those old Macs and, and, cool and floppy disks and things like that. It's like, seems almost alien because it, like we still the technology that existed before then cars and airplanes still looks the same. Like, yeah, it basically hasn't changed at all. But like computer technology is completely different looking, and so all that retro stuff looks like uh, like it's from another planet. And I think that's I think he gets a lot of that stuff right. I did write down one point like he said like three megabytes of RAM, and I'm like okay, 
like there's some things where I'm just like you're not even close. Like you're not even in the ballpark of like what like what the RAM would take to like whatever. Oh like, yeah, because you'd have to be like 900 terabytes. Because like, like, like standard like a, on like a $400 laptop is not like eight gigs. It's just like and that's like okay, so like that's the that's the baseline of like to use anything you need that, and this is three megabytes, whatever. But I do think that a lot of the like tech sort of future looking like the bodily enhancements and stuff like i think he gets in a way that feels like it's not here yet but it's still it's coming oh yeah like the idea i mean you have like people that are doing body modification stuff for aesthetics in a way that it's like the next thing is utilitarian Mm -hmm. right because like you you have all of the the piercings and like those people that put like the nodules in their skulls to represent horns and stuff like that and like the next thing may as well be like wolverine claws or some shit like that or like retractable uh, razor girls irl or like a like a an allen wrench that comes out of your kneecap for some reason (laughs) like it feels it feels like that stuff is like you know not that far away as we get better at surgery and stuff like that i think that's like i think the the two elements of that and i realize i sort of like steered away but i think the whole like what's what's old is new again or at least newly relevant or cool again and that like i think that the things he's capitalizing on feel modern because it's modern again and also feel modern because like it's coming in the near future and it's it's i mean it's almost 40 years old yeah that's wild because it's it's still like uh it still feels like the future Mm -hmm. the same way that in a lot of ways back to the future too feels like the future and i wonder if that's because um the future didn't get here quite as quickly as we thought it would, or the future that we imagined is just completely different. Because there's technology that we have now that, like, in Back to the Future 2, like, uh, like they don't have cell phones, for example, in, in that, or, or if they do, they, they certainly don't have smartphones or whatever. But I think also what's interesting about that is that, like, like people want hoverboards, I don't think because they're practical, but they're because they were in Back to the Future 2. Like, we're, we're developing toward technology mm-hmm. that, like, we don't need hoverboards. That's not going to help anything in any, you know what I mean? Other but, than being cool. Other than, like, oh, Marty rode one in 1987 or whatever the movie, 89, 90, whenever the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do that, too. It's like, okay. It's like that line in... um. Oh, what is the name of the movie? Uh, Richard Kelly's second movie, Southland Tales, where Sarah Michelle Gellar just goes, scientists are now saying that the future is going to be far more futuristic than they thought. <laughs> um, I think another thing that really fascinates me about this in a way that because of the way that I, the work that I do on a day-to-day basis, but like, I think more so than Snow... Although Snow Crash is also, like, the literally the title is this. I think that this is really fascinating in the way that it weaponizes tech. Mm-hmm. That people are using technology both to, like, enhance things, but also just, like, hey, yeah, we fixed your body from all the drugs you did, but, like, if you fuck us over, like, we're going to po- literally poison you because, like, we have the technology and, you, like, we put these, like, poison sacks. And, like, there's all these different ways that people are using and abusing and taking advantage of different tech in a way to exhibit control, which that is kind of like what all tech companies do now anyway. And I felt like it was very interesting. It felt, again, prescient. Yeah, well, I think the thing about, like, uh, techno-libertarians or whatever is... is um, I, don't, I don't know that they're naive or that they think that it's... Uh, or if they're just trying to hold on to whatever freedom or whatever that they, they have and think that the internet is the best way to do it. But it's like a dream. It, it is a, a, a naive dream to believe that technology uh, will not fall into the hands of coercive power structures. Like, that's exactly 
first of all, like technology is like especially elite technology is only really uh, accessible first by course of power structures, people who have a ton of money and people who have like a ton of corporate interests, right? Like you're not a hack. You can be the best hacker in the world, but you're not Google. Right. You don't have the the reach of Google. You might be, I mean, you see anonymous doing collective action stuff that tries to counteract this, but it's like ultimately every time anonymous does something, it's just like people talk about it for like two days and, mm-hmm. then, and then they, I think this is also, we probably talked about this with snow crash, but like that was the idea of web three. It's like all these, like five companies, like we were just talking about the other day, like five companies have everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to decentralize it so that nobody owns anything. And then all these companies with centralized power and like, uh, like a, a trusted authority, we're going to do a web three thing. It's like, well, you don't have to do a web three thing because like, why would you, would, it almost hurts you to do it. Like you would just do like, your own kind of thing like it's, it's this promise of like it's in the people's hands but it might never be or it might be eventually i don't know it just feels like this idea of individuals having the power is always going to exist and is never going to actually happen mm-hmm. and and you know i i think like this is thematic to the book too obviously but um these like independent agencies or independent actors independent agencies or independent actors that are attempting to influence all of this stuff uh also are unaware of who they're acting on behalf of right sure. and, and and this is something that we see on uh you know as the internet's gone much much more confusing over the past five to ten years especially because um, now because of because of propaganda, whether it be uh, regardless of the of the political party that's doing the propaganda, like almost everything now, so people are just like, oh, that's like a bot. That's that's a yeah. or, or, or like someone says something unbelievably shitty and they're just like, oh, I was hacked. That wasn't me that said that. What's what's funny to me is um, the scary part about that is when it's done well mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, I'm not sure. Or like today. Uh, uh, at Lottery Pod on Twitter, we were followed by Jimmy at Jimmy zero three zero zero one six five eight one. His bio is: "I'm from New York, USA. Nice to meet you." It's like you're not a real, like you're not even trying. Yeah. So like there are things. It's it's funny to see like that. You're like, oh, we're fine. It's gonna be fine. Love the numbers, Jimmy. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. And then you're like, oh, uh, that's actually a bot, or like it's, or you know, whatever. It's just like, oh, there's like there's. It's almost like in editing or whatever. It's like if you don't, if you notice it, it's they're doing a bad job. But it's like when things, like when technology is like working, all firing on all cylinders or whatever. It's like, oh, that's scary because I didn't know that's actually what was going on, or like who created that, or why they created that, or what they're gaining from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also think that like when you have someone who's trying to like buck the system or whatever, right? Like an Elon Musk who's like, I'm, I'm going to turn the car industry on, like. He probably got. I don't. He's got to be inherited wealth, right? Like he didn't. He's on a cell. Phone Elon right? Musk. He's the. He's the son of gem miners from South Africa. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So he had money, but he's just like, I'm gonna do this thing. Like he was like one man against the system. And now he is the system. Like it's like this. You know, eventually, you become the thing that you're fighting against. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this like there's an old an old refrain about that. Like, uh, you know, the, I mean. Uh, the, the newer way of saying it is that you either the Batman, die young the Batman thing. Oh. or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, the Harvey Dent thing. 
Yeah, or or you have that shit that like my parents used to say to me when I was a kid, and like uh, like really like protesting the Iraq War hard, which they would be like, act like I was being naive because I didn't want there there to be war, but they would be like, if you're uh, not a liberal when you're young, you have no heart, but if you're not a conservative when you're older, it's because you have no head, and it's like the you know. Uh, the idea, of course, is is like they're trying to say that you as you like mature, you become less naive and you see how the world works and then you start voting with interests over things like taxes and shit like that, where, where you're like more concerned about saving money um, as opposed to like voting for moral reasons. But I don't know how I got on this topic. Oh, this is a weird episode, man. Yeah. But you, so so the idea of that is that you you're optimistic and you're like we should help everybody then you like see how the world really works it's like well i gotta help myself yeah that was that's their idea i haven't i i i'm as as i've gotten older i've moved further and further left so i think that's a way for people to maybe i'm just getting stupider and stupider very possible just listen to these episodes (laughs) but i think that's a way for people to to, to validate or justify their actions it's just like oh no man like you'll you'll see eventually you'll see the way the world the world really works yeah it's condescending and it's it's the sort of condescending shit people put on young people to invalidate their opinions about politics right Mm -hmm. oh you just you you'll you'll know better one day yeah like how old is case? A case is like mid twenties, I think. Oh, is he mid twenties? I was picturing him as being older, mostly because he's like. Oh, case of... was twenty four. At twenty two, he'd been a cowboy wrestler. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I was in my head. I was picturing him as like a like thirty eight, forty. Years were you older. picturing? So like, I don't have answers to this, but were you picturing anybody like for? Because there's this has been adapted in all sorts of things. They kept trying to get movies turned into things, but were you picturing people as any of these characters or no? Uh, I I, you know, it's hard because. In my head, the dream version of this movie is the Chris Cunningham version. Well, so you know about that one. Of it, yeah. I, I, because I'm like a, I, I've, right. I'm a Chris Cunningham guy. Like he's my, he's my guy. Do you know? Do you know about the other ones or no? Um, uh, Vincenzo Natale did one, right? Or yep. wanted to do one, mm-hmm. and and that that fell through. But like to me, it's like Cunningham. If you guys, if you don't know who Chris Cunningham is, Chris Cunningham is one of the most visionary music video directors and he did um like for example he's been ripped off by everyone Mm -hmm. like he did in 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 the all is full of love video for bjork which is like bjork has two robots who are making out like that robot design was very clearly ripped off by the will smith uh i robot movie Mm. and like his he's he's just like a, a really really great visual artist i the thing about him making a movie is that i have no idea how he'd do with any kind of narrative. Well, so that so that's the thing. So okay, so very quickly, it was first adapted into a graphic novel that got canceled or something after two issues. Some hypertext version of this, an old like Apple II, Mac II PC game, a radio play, an opera. It seemed like the first film version of this was going to be the Chris Cunningham one with a soundtrack by Aphex Twin. Yeah, that sounds that, that that's like the the platonic ideal of this for me. But I feel like the one that came after that, which again, this is now still 15 years ago because it's May 2007, but Joseph Kahn who did Torque before this. <laughs> yeah, no thank you. But he also did I I love him. But he also did The Tension, which is great. He did Bodied, which is great, but he's also predominantly a music video guy. Mm-hmm. Like he did I don't know if he still does because I think she does her own now. But like almost all of Taylor Swift's like billion view videos were him. Like he's he's generated so many like he's billions and billions of plays, and he's like a music the only video the guy. only the only Taylor Swift video that I can picture in my head is Bad Blood. Did you do that one? 
I want to say yes, but I'm not going to uh, Probably it. because that's like a cyberpunk-ass uh, uh, video. And so the reason I bring that up, the reason I sort of cut you off in terms of the narrative thing is because Joseph Kahn came from music videos. Mm-hmm. So did Daniels, who did Swiss Army Man and now Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I feel like... Oh, they're the guys that you'd want to do it? Well, no, I think that to a certain extent, it's just like, I don't know how you translate, like, how do you maintain the energy of a four-minute thing with just like the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life into a 90-minute thing? And these people have pretty successfully been able to do it. Well, here's what I'll say about that. This this book is essentially a series of high-tech, like, Mission Impossible missions. Yeah. It's like, just like one after another of, like, them trying to do this thing. And I'm sort of surprised. It also feels, I think, other than being John Malkovich, I feel like nothing has really tapped into the way of, like, Case being in Molly. This is something head. that I want to talk about, too, because I think it's – go ahead. Yeah. But I think – so – just very quickly, Joseph Kahn was going to do it, I think, with Mila Jovovich as probably as Molly. That, yeah, shoot. In May 2007. So that's, you know, peak sort of. I mean, she's still around. Then Vincenzo Natali, they had offered to Liam Neeson and Mark Wahlberg. It doesn't seem like either accepted. But Both those are terrible castings. Well, yeah. Even though you love Mark Wahlberg. That's, uh, that sounds like a joke, but we both like Mark. Just he's he's good. He's good when he's playing someone that's like really dumb. There, there's like maybe five movies that Mark Wahlberg has been like incredible in, and then I would throw the rest of his filmography. Painting Game. No, you don't like Painting Game. I don't like Painting Game. Okay, that was in August 2012, and then five years ago. So it seems like every five years they try to get it going. Mm-hmm. Tim Miller, the guy who did Deadpool. Yeah, see, that's this is all bad to me. So. At one point, I think maybe the t- but either I think it was Vincenzo Natali said, "Oh, there's been a script done for years, but it feels like for whatever reason they never get past even like initial casting. They just have like have an idea for like, oh yeah, that person should be." So did you did you have anybody in mind, or do you Chris Cunningham as the director? Well, I think I think Chris Cunningham is William Gibson's choice. Okay, to make to make this and do into uh, a movie. Um, I was having a hard time. I thought initially uh, Charlize Theron as as Molly, um, and I think that might be because Ion Flux is very clearly Molly, yeah. right? That's Molly Million. Like she's very clearly uh, based on on Molly, or feels like she is. I don't know. Ion Flux may be a manga that predates this. Even I, I'm well, Ion sure. Flux was the MTV series, Liquid too. Liquid Television. Liquid, yeah. But I, I I don't know that that may be adapted from. Do you something. know where Molly Millions is from originally? No, Johnny Mnemonic. Which right, which became, is which, which is became the Keanu, but, but that's wrote, but yes, that's also yes, William Gibson, correct. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He wrote it as like a short story, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I'm mm-hmm. saying that like I've known this for years. I, I learned it this morning. Yeah, yeah. No, I knew that. But I don't know. If she, I don't know if she's in that movie. She might be. I've seen that movie once. There's apparently like a Japanese cut that is like great of Johnny Mnemonic. But I, that, lo- I love that movie when it came out when I was a kid. It's insane. It's weird. Yeah, the same way that I liked uh, 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 the. Is it called Virtua Cop? The Denzel Washington uh, Virtuosity. Virtuosity. Virtua Cop is the 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 Sega Saturn arcade. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Vir, vir, yeah okay. I remember Virtua Cop too. Um, but Virtuosity. I loved that movie when it came out. Because there's and Virtuosity, that's... and what's the other one that's like that? It's maybe another Denzel with Russell Crowe. No, that's that's Virtuosity. What's the I, I, Virtuosity is the one with Russell okay. Crowe. Okay. Um, um, that's, but like, that's all in this will, that, that's all like yeah. Neur- Neuromancer is the blueprint for all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I still think that they could probably, cause it feels like this book is, so this book was not a hit when it came out. Um, it was, a, it struck a cultural nerve according to Wiki, but like people didn't read it. It took like the New York times 10 years to even mention it. Wow. Like it, people, it was an underground hit word of mouth thing, but I feel like it was probably more popular at some point than it is now, but I feel like you could still make it now and people would be like, holy shit, they're making a Neuromancer movie. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's like, uh, the thing is that when they do ultimately make the movie, it's going to suck because it's mm-hmm. like didn't, because it's been through all of these yep. things. And the reason why nobody can get it right is because they're 
overthinking it, probably being too precious with the material. Mm-hmm. What we should get, and again, not to harp on Chris Cunningham, but it's like, f- forget the fucking plot. Don't worry about making people understand it. Just just fucking blitz us with awesome visuals yep. for 90 minutes. Like, the, the, the mistake version of this movie is um, something that is, like, front-loaded with a ton of exposition and is like uh like lots of voiceover and stuff right yeah we don't like get get, like get away from that just give us like this world where like there's a kind of mob we have a detective it's like noir aesthetics uh with lots of like cool robot and body mod stuff techno music fluorescence flickering lights um and don't sweat the story so much but i feel like that would never get made because people like nobody understands this Right. Yeah. I. I think that's. I think that's like true. Need, like, that's probably why it hasn't gotten made. Because would, I think every draft of this screenplay, people have probably been like, I have no idea what this movie's about. You would need someone like an A twenty four, but I think they're even probably too big. Where they need to be like, you need like an like a somebody with money, like an independent producer, to be like, we trust you, make the thing you want to make. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, I uh, the other reason why Chris Cunningham's stuff doesn't get made is because I think he's too like like auteur i don't think he like supposedly apex twin was was apex twin did an interview about this where he was like chris cunningham made a zombie movie on his own completely self-funded made a zombie movie did it ever come out no because he he made that movie completely on his own and then like a bunch of other zombie movies came out and chris cunningham was just like i'm not being part of a trend and he just like put the movie in his pocket and and was just like i'm not doing anything with this so he's i I think he's like a guy that like about his art is just totally like it has to be 1000 percent on my terms i need to be the one who does. or i'm not doing anything like i'm not doing anything that i don't want to do i feel like if this were made today the i think the obvious but maybe not but it just feels like because he's the only one doing this is like villeneuve Oh yeah, yeah, right. He, yeah, he would, he would be the the choice. But also, because he's the only, he's like the only one consistently making visual sci-fi. Yeah, and he's already adapted uh, Dune. It's like an, uh, a story that people thought was impossible to adapt, which he hasn't done yet. He did half of it. Like you can't say that he did like a successful adaptation of Dune because that's like he did half of a movie. That's not a full movie. Right. Yet. I mean, I liked it. I thought it was even even like. I'm watching it and I'm just like, I don't know. This is not really a story. But, like, all of the, like, visuals are still uh, amazing, stunning. Yeah. And that I think that's the thing. Like, I think I would understand this more if I, like, again, this is my, like, I'm not dumb. But I feel like sometimes when I read things, I just can't, like, I think the issue that I have with this is the issue with I have with a lot of things. And also, like, watching sci-fi, too. It's just, like, if I miss one thing, mm-hmm. I don't go back and reread it. I just keep going. And then, like, it just it's, like, compound interest where I'm just, like, oh, I don't understand, like, any of this now because I missed a thing earlier. Or, like, in a sci-fi series, it's, like, this is – the world's too big now. I can't track everything. Yeah. And I feel like the first – and it's not sci-fi at all, but when I read Inherent Vice, I was, like, I don't know what this is about. And I think part of that is because – It is kind of sci-fi. I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the house is the, the, on the outside. Yeah, the zones are, yeah. are sci-fi. Um, but, again, that's just – that's a noir story. Yeah, yeah, right, because the, the, the two genres are two, so... But like, I read that, and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck this is about, and I feel like part of it is just like, it's it's not really about anything. Like, it's kind of like about the futility of everything, or whatever. Like, that's how I sort of... An Aaron Vice? Yeah. Somewhat. We can have a conversation off air about what an Aaron Vice is about. Um, but then I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, I get it now. You get it, yeah. And I feel like the same thing with Dune. Like, I... Dune is also, like, I think much more... It's not 
more difficult than Inherent Vice, but it's like long as sci-fi. It's again, that's not a thing that I was... It's more boring than Inherent Vice is. I was also... It's a boring book. Yeah. I was also reading it explicitly to watch the movie, and I'm like, I don't like I didn't really want to read it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the movie, I was like, oh, no, I get it now. And I feel like if I... Yeah. If, if Neuromancer... If I saw a version that was incomprehensible, I would be like, oh, I get it. Like, even if, like, I don't understand the movie on its own, I don't understand the book on its own, doing the two together, I would be like, oh, no, I get it now. Shakespeare is like this, right? Like, if you read mm-hmm. Shakespeare, you can just be like, this is, I don't understand any of these. This is so incomprehensible. Like, these metaphors are so, like, alien. And, and some of these words, I just, like, have no idea what they are. But, like, then you go and watch a play. You, you like, watch it on stage. And the people are speaking the exact same words. But you're just like... I get it because now I have like this visual right. representation of a thing. The reason I brought up all of the adaptation stuff was because I looked on there's like that casting website or whatever. I'm just like, I need to like hone in on something. Like I, I know who Case is. I know who Molly is. Uh-huh. I think I know who Armitage is, even though like turns out you don't know who Armitage is because it's like a whole other <laughs> yeah, thing. It's kind of the whole point. But like there's, like there's a handful of things I'm just like, okay, I can like lock in on this. But I'm like, I need to visualize something. And so there's like this casting, like a crowd, like a wiki, a Reddit style, like upvoting, downvoting. And the person they had for Case was Gosling. And I'm like, great, but Can't he's way it. too old now. He's also, he, he also already did Blade Runner 2049. I think this is probably before then. But yeah. yeah, but like, it's also Blade Runner 2049. It's the nice guys. It's that new thing, Memory. Like, it's all these, he does play like a really bedraggled detective really well. Yeah, Pattinson would be good, maybe. Sure. Um, but then all the other people, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not going to look it up again. But would you okay? So let's talk about uh, the being John Malkovich sort of thing. Oh yeah, I thought it was really interesting. From like a, there's something really fascinating about that from like a gender perspective, and like the mm-hmm. the, the idea of like plugging this guy into a woman's body, because there is the scene when the very first time that he does it, she like pinches her own nipple, and he's like he his like body like bucks, like he gets like weak in the knees because he's he's like not used to that specific feeling, and so like. Uh, there is something about like the transition between bodies that is like really fascinating. Um, and then that ends up being like a, a significant chunk of this book, especially in the back end ends up being like sort of unclear about what body is the real body versus what body is like the digital body. And to the point where like it actually ends with that where he's like i saw another version of myself like maybe maybe uh what wintermute or or like the combined version of of wintermute and neuromancer has like uploaded a version of case to to the to the cyberspace so that he could like well so there's are there like how many different locations are there? there's like the real world mm-hmm. there's cyberspace which he jacks into he then flips into Molly, like flipping is going into Molly's consciousness, I think. But then there's also like that other cyberspace that Wintermute kind of traps him oh, in. Oh, the, the, the one that's like in my head, I was thinking of it as like, for some reason, the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> like it, feel, it felt real like, like this is like, you know how like in, in the UAE, there's like, it's like this space in the desert, but they have like ski slopes and stuff. And it just seems like completely unreal. Oh, like, like how in New Jersey, there's Xanadu. I don't know about that. You don't remember, like, the Meadowlands that they built an indoor ski slope? Uh, no. It's just like, why? And I don't even think it ever opened, but they spent, like, millions of dollars on this thing. Just like, oh, yeah, we don't need that. But so the UAE has all that money. Sure. So they've, like, created this, like, um, and they want to do Neom. Like, do you know about Neom? Mm-mm. Oh, that's weird. It, that, that seems like something that you and uh, uh, in just in your work you guys would have talked about. Neom is, like, supposed to be, like, the city of the future that the... Uh, well, that that might be Saudi Arabia, not not the United Arab Emirates, but it's like this this like city of the future that's meant to be like this 
digital like just paradise of, sure. of like you know urban planning and and the thing is like this is all in a place where it's like you you like costs a rainforest to make this kind of energy in this place right but like they happen to also be the richest people in the world so they can do it but it's like i don't know so i was thinking of this of this digital thing as as being uh like reminiscent of this kind of oasis because they see it, it is kind of an oasis right it seemed well you're talking about the thing where like his as murdered ex-girlfriend is like around right like it's like a kind of a paradise yeah and he's just like, he, like it takes a while i think to realize where he is and what's going on and that's where the little boy neuromancer mm-hmm. is just hanging out mm-hmm. yeah but that's that's a, it's a separate space and i think that's like where maybe he not ends up but like it like maybe the last scene is like in that well area. what is he he meets those two people and they like get him high right or is this a different part of the book i don't know well, so he's a junkie who gets clean, and then they have to get him high. They're like, "Oh, we can we can still get you high." Like his his new body is just like you can't get high. Like you can take all the drugs and it doesn't do anything. And like there's new drugs, new new drugs mm-hmm. that gets him high or whatever. And I think that's yeah. I think that's maybe how they trap him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's com- it's 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 very it gets to be very confusing. But I think that other than being John Malkovich, the whole like coexisting within a single consciousness where you're both aware and I don't know that that's necessarily like the whole thing of being John Malkovich is like he doesn't know that somebody's in his body he's just living his own life and like they're living in there with him I don't know but like it feels like that's a thing that has not I've not seen elsewhere yeah and that movie ends in 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 like a real horror thing Mm -hmm. it's like they're trapped right well so spoilers to the end of being John Malkovich, which we just did on 1999 on the podcast, if you want to go listen to that. John Cusack finds a way to stay in the conscience. You're supposed to like a 15-minute window or whatever. He figures out how to stay there. He becomes the world's most famous puppeteer. Puppeteer even becomes whatever. But there's this whole group of people who want to basically, like every generation, they're able to like live forever by all inhabiting this vessel. And so, like they they get trapped in there, but like by design, like they want they they want to keep living forever. It's, but it ends with the, it ends with them in the kid's head, right? Like you have the person she's well, they're, getting out they're of the looking pool. at their yes, that she's going to be the next vessel or whatever. Yes, you know what's the weirdest part of that movie is the like fucking very strange monkeys point of view stuff. <laughs> like what is what is that? The movie rules. That's so yeah. That's so so bizarre. Let's read Meg's email. We have an email address: lotterypod at cageclub.me. Or just lottery at cageclub.me. We'll see what Egg says. Meg's reaction to Neuromancer. I didn't really like Neuromancer, but I can appreciate the cultural significance. I tried reading this book before it was a part of the podcast, but I couldn't get into it. This time around, I listened to the audiobook, which I think was maybe read by William Gibson. Oh, really? He read a version of it. I don't know if it's the one that she read but or listened to. But my brain was like a sieve, and I felt I only remember bits and pieces of the book. I'm excited to listen to the episode so I can see what went over my head. Well, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Egg. Yeah, we did very little in the way of plot. But I think, like, again, like, I, uh, with the exception of some books, plot is, like, the last thing that I'm thinking about, usually, with regards to these themes. So sometimes with, like, crime novels, plot is really important to me. And plot is what I'm interested in because it's, like, I like the very, like, you know, the satisfying click of the Legos being put together into something that makes a shape, which is like what plot is, right? But for the most part, I'm way more interested in, in imagistic concerns or like emotional flashpoints. Uh-huh. Like when I watch a movie, I can rarely ever tell you 
what the entire plot is except for like a bare bones thing but i can tell you like a scene that really moved me or something that i thought was like really cool yeah I don't know, like the, as far as the imagistic stuff, when when we first when we first started reading this book, and you text messaged me and you were like, I just read the first twenty pages and I have no idea what's going on, and I was just like plucking out bits that I thought were like specifically really good writing, right? And I think specific really good writing because it sets the scene is the very first line of the book, which is, uh, the sky above the port was the color of television tuned to a dead channel. And the reason why I think that is really good and, and a really good introductory line to a book like this is that it uh, it immediately sets us in the world, um, not only by like telling us, you know, describing the setting, but like in the metaphor that it uses, because it, it tells us that like the concerns of the people in this world are tech related and they're now using technology as a metaphor for for nature rather than nature being used metaphorically for mm-hmm. for humans mm-hmm. right so when you when you talk about like the the romance poets and things like that uh like percy shelley or whoever or even the the metaphysical poets like john dunn like they're using nature to describe human concerns so like to move away from nature toward technology to describe as, as as a metaphor like shows like a human, like an isolation from real things and a movement toward things that are constructed. And there's something about that that like sets the entire tone for the book for me that's like anti-romantic um, version of, of, a, of a future. In a single line. In a single line, yeah. And then, and then, and then the other line that really... I think this is like... These are maybe like the two most famous lines from the book. And there's good reason that there's two most famous lines in the book. But the other line is like, back in the darkness, something made wet sounds and died. Which is like so gross. But also like... You can hear it so mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. Like you know like what the like biological sounds of a sucking wound or something, like you know what that sounds yep. like. And there's something so like something made wet sounds and died. Like you can't see the thing dying because it's in darkness, but like you can you can hear life leaving something through like this like gross mm-hmm. liquidy yeah. The, 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 yeah and anyway like i think so i think william gibson is like a really great writer it's just that i don't think his concerns are the same as our concerns he's no. not concerned with you understanding his book at all and i think that's so i realized as i was finishing this book i don't i, I like plot but i'm more character mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think to a certain extent I'm also sure compared to other sci-fi, these characters are much more well-rounded. <laughs> right, yeah. Because I think a lot of sci-fi is just like, look at all this cool shit. Uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, the characters don't really matter. It's just like, it's the mood, it's the space, it's well, the they're, place. They're, I mean, not to not to harp on, on the Raymond Chandler stuff, but they're drawn from such archetypes that like you can basically just like, you know, it's paint by numbers. Right, exactly. Them. And I think, so I'm like, I'm not getting emotional arc here. It's just like, Former drug addict reformed gets a second chance, relapses, haunted by his past. It's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that. I've literally seen that movie a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Um, the visuals are cool. But I think the plot matters because, like, that's what he's like. He's doing it for, 
but also kind of frustratingly, and I think that's the point again, it's the noir thing where it's like the plot doesn't matter because like the plot as you understand it is not actually the plot. And so when this book is having you follow a plot, and then it pulls the rug out. Yeah, from you. any which it could do at any minute and does multiple times. Where it's just like everything that I told you from the first hundred pages, like just forget it's not it's, it's not real. Forget it. We're doing something else now. And I, I I totally see the appeal. And like in, in past times in my life, like fantasy video games, fantasy movies, and whatever, like there's something very appealing about just like exploring a brand new world mm-hmm. where like nothing mm-hmm. is like everything is kind of like what you expect, but like everything's different. I'm at least right now no interest in that are you i i would say after snow crash and then this which are maybe the two most highly regarded <laughs> cyberpunk novels i'm like basically finished with cyberpunk stuff for for a while i think what i want is just i want like like the story of my life i just want like a girl like fucking up in new york or whatever like that's just more interesting <laughs> well to me. i it's 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 interesting to juxtapose this with uh uh like because a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we've done this um, module like has been the internet, obviously, but it's also like the how the internet like exposes very very human parts of us in in like a broad way, whether it be uh, through live blog, which was the the um, uh, the last actual one that we talked about, regardless of whether or not came out like two months ago, yeah. but yes, like if you if you put that book next to this book, it's like they couldn't possibly be more different, right? Right. But they're both equally about the internet. Uh, it's just that one is like concerned with human things, and the other one's concerned with like the machinations of of. Uh, well, I think that's why this season also, or this module, whatever you want to call it, is interesting. It's like, because it kind of yo-yos, yo-yos you around. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when I'm planning seasons for Too Fast, Too Forever, it's like, okay, we can either do, like, the movies of Vin Diesel or, like, car chase movies or whatever. And, like, there's many, many more good car chase movies because there's been hundreds of them, as opposed to Vin Diesel's, like, 40 movies or whatever. But, like, there's something kind of exciting about the Vin Diesel just, like, Oh, he he's in like eight wildly different movies or whatever, and the car chase is like you kind of know what you're gonna get. And I think when you do like a campus season, unless you have Giles Goat Boy or whatever, it's I, try, like, I tried to throw some wrenches in there. You, you kind of know what you're gonna get. Yeah. And it's like, how do you make that? And I think it's not better or worse. It's like, how do you make that interesting? It's like we've read a hundred stories about a college freshman or whatever. Uh, what sets what sets yours apart or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the car chase is like, well, what are you going to do to like separate from the other hundred movies that came out in the 70s that are the same exact thing? And I think they both have merit. They both have value. And I think sort of balancing between the two is interesting because like our next season, I guess two seasons for now because we've got a special in, in between thing, which we'll get to. But like it's going to be another one like this where it's like it could literally be anything because the theme is like. It's almost unthemed in a way, but I think there's yeah. there's value in I think both sides. I think it makes it hard to compare this to like a live blog, but I think overarchingly, the internet focus is interesting. Well, because uh, uh, I was because in a way, my final thought is that yeah. live blog almost couldn't exist if he didn't describe the internet the way he did. Because like he the oh, way he just like, yeah. like that's probably not true, uh-huh. but that's at least partially true. That his depiction of the internet from thirty years before Megan Boyle decided to live blog her entire life for six months, 
the way he's describing things, people then built on it. Like, I know everything is additive and all, but just, like, it's weird. Like, they are disconnected, but also directly connected through the act, the literal building of the internet. Yeah, and I was down on uh, uneven doing Neuromancer, like, for, for a while. I, yeah, this was, this is my request. Yeah, and then, and, but then also you, uh, like, right before we got into it, you were like, we can just not do Neuromancer if you don't want to. But, like, I'm glad that we did because it is, like, these books, this and Snow Crash, are, like, important to how we have conceived yeah. of both the internet and, and also, like, uh, what online aesthetics are sure. now because that it, it like i said like all like there's so many things on on uh instagram and stuff where it seems like the, their entire brand is based on things that william gibson described or neil stevenson described so i think all of that is you know really uh uh it's worth exploring for sure for sure even even though like like I said, I think I'm I'm gonna take a break from cyberpunk for a little <laughs> while. Uh, I guess we're not gonna do it. so. Next season, not cyberpunk. Well, there's some. Are, cy- there, are there others that are like this of this magnitude? I'm sure there are. Oh yeah, like I said, like there's the the uh, I could I could I could make a list. I was thinking of outer space as a module, um, but I don't know. I haven't I haven't thought of that. But yeah, there, there's a lot of that. Like like Philip K. Dick. Yeah, like stuff like "Flow My Tears," the policeman said, or uh, oh, sure, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, or uh, the uh, "Scanner Darkly" is is okay. that for sure. Um, the Werner Vinge, or uh, uh, the Shockwave Rider is the book that I was trying to think of earlier. That's, oh, from the author that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Shockwave Rider, True Names. Um, these are these are things that that like are in this wheelhouse that are like interesting. Uh, I would say are like idea heavy rather than like writing heavy so like if you're if you're reading fiction for the like broader ideas about humanity rather than reading fiction for like the aesthetics then like they're probably more important to you which i think is generally what people who love science fiction are into reading for they're they're not so much into the poetic language or character or atmosphere they're mostly into it for like i want to know how like magnets work or some shit (laughs) Just like the Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> yeah. People read cyberpunk to learn how magnets work. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, uh, today's crime is wait, tax wait, wait. evasion. Egg, sell us more of your email. Oh, shit. You fucked me up, Egg. Go. I can't, I can't believe that we, we departed that long from Egg's email. Well, she ended the first paragraph by saying, I'm excited to listen to the episode so I can see what went over my head, and I apologize that we just went off on a tangent. Yeah. The scene that I like best... I knew you were ramping up to the crime. Eggs saved by the egg. The scene I liked best was when Wintermute first tried to get in contact with Case, and the hallway of phones rang once he passed them. Oh yeah, that's great. That, yeah. That, that's that that's that's some serious uh, conspiracy. Uh, yeah, like very very paranoid. Uh, yeah, I love that. I'm glad. I'm glad Meg brought that up because that's something that is like 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 I can imagine. I can imagine thinking of that scene. Like, as a writer, I can imagine thinking of that scene and then being like, I got to find a way to make that work. And then, like, developing this whole thing around, yep. like, a cool thing like that. I also liked Molly as a character in general, but a couple of scenes were annoying, most prominent being when she was ch- choking 3 Jane, and 3 Jane was into it in a sexual way. 
Well, these people are perverts, and that's just the way that, that's just the way it there, is. There is certain again, like at least <laughs> at least there's no 15 year old girl that we're fetishizing here. But like the way that they describe sex, I'm just like, we don't need this. Like I I get mm-hmm. it, but it's just like, hey dudes, yeah yeah yeah. You want to get off while you're? I I, I like Molly too though. Cause I, I like Molly in a very like she satisfies like a very uh, adolescent boy who enjoyed the X Men. Like kind of like, kind of character. Like she's got like finger claws, and she mm-hmm. she's like uh, she like breaks her leg, but she's just like no big deal. Like keeps like just like numbs it, and like keeps moving on. Has like these like cool dart guns. Like she's very much like Psylocke or or uh, a Mystique or like other cool X Men characters that that I when I was a little kid I loved. All in all, Meg says not my favorite book that we've read this season. Weirdly, she says keep reading. She does not. You, she does not, you, you, she does not say you, keep reading. You, you absolute. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, I think I said tax evasion was the was the crime, right? I didn't even hear because I was so excited. I'm just like, wait, we've got more to talk about. <laughs> all right. Oh, the, actually, the, 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 I do have one, one other note, and I feel like um, it was fascinating. When I, I don't remember. Was it maybe? Who was the one? Was it Linda Lee who tells the story about being like a prostitute? There's a part where there's like this, like he like goes underground to find someone. I don't remember. Like at a certain point, I'm just like, I don't know who these characters are. Like I know the characters, but whatever. But there was something very severancey about the way that she was able to literally escape her mind to escape okay. trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like because then then she would like come back to it. And I feel like the severance thing, like there's been a lot over the last couple of years, the Rick and Morty episode severance a couple things where it's just like the separation not of church and state but of like waking and living or working and living or whatever and i felt like this was that same kind of thing it's just like my body needs to be here i'm in slavery or like whatever i'm being used i'm being abused people are literally i'm my body is being farmed out to have people have sex with yeah um but I'm able to escape through somewhat of like a severance kind of like just like uh-huh. jacking out uh-huh. or whatever. And then she comes back and like fights back or whatever. But I thought that was a very, I don't know if that this influenced severance at all, but it feels like it's the same kind of like separating so that like you can, the things you don't want to be a part of, like also just disassociative, whatever. But I thought, you know, in the sci-fi realm. Yeah. There's also that scene where Case is in, he, he like jacks into molly's consciousness and then like he sees molly observing him and he's like a junkie with like a beard he's like kind of shaking in a corner and it's like that stuff is confusing to me but i'm kind of like like i like the idea of like how many of this guy is there like and how does it like like this loop yep. of of things but again i'm uh, i'm i'm viewing that from the point of view of someone who at that point, didn't really understand exactly what was going on in the right. book. So uh, for me, it's like a lot of this exists as, a, as like a dream. And I wonder, genuinely wonder, if William Gibson would be upset if we're like, oh, we don't understand. Like, I think I think to a certain extent, whether he's going to admit it or not, I think part of it is just like, I don't want you to. I want you to get lost in it. Yeah, which is like, uh, you know, the, the the reason why that works in, in noir is because, like, the characters in the noir are also confused. Yep. And, like, at the end, you also might not be able to, to understand. Like, there's a thing um, with, with uh, I forget what Raymond Chandler story it is, but when they were making the movie, they, like, they were writing the screenplay and they called him and they were just like who killed this person? Like they, from reading the book, they couldn't figure out who killed the person. And then I think Raymond Chandler was like, I don't know. Let me check. And then like, he went back and he reread it and he, and he called him back and was just like, I don't know. (laughs) 
and, and so like because like it's not about that it's about like right. like sometimes you're not going to know right. you're not going to be able to figure it out so it's more about like uh the scary part of the world where it's like you know what there aren't really answers you you, right. you, you like sometimes people get killed and you never figure out who did it yeah um which i think i think that's why like i don't know that i want to because this is not my cup of tea but i feel like this is again another one that re- rewards rereading yeah for sure not necessarily to get deeper, but just to understand, like, just to permeate it. Like, just to get into it in a way that, like, it's, I think it's, like, intimidating you from, like, by design. Just, like, you're going to fight for this one. I mean, this is my second time reading it. And it when I when I looked at my... How long ago did you read the first one? Uh, five years, okay. six years. I, like, when I when I looked back and reread what I had written about it at the time that, that I read it. Because I try to write, um, like, a little paragraph about every book that I, that I read so that I can you know, have a record of the things that I've read. Um, I had basically the same thoughts that I have now, which is like, okay, so the plot is incomprehensible to me other than it being like a, a noir thing, but also like the things about this book that interest me are like the fashion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Crime? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I uh, today's crime is um, evading your taxes. Pay your taxes, rich people. What? Yeah.